Now, imagine with me, imagine with me that a new friend has invited you to a party and that each of you will be arriving there separately. Just as you pull up to your destination, you get a text that your friend is running late, and she tells you to go in without her. She's already texted the host that you're coming and promises a warm welcome. It seems you have a choice before you. Will you wait outside in the freezing cold for your friend to arrive and to accompany you in, or will you venture into the house alone? Being that you're a little underdressed for the weather, you decide for the latter. You head towards the house and ring the doorbell. The door swings open and you are ushered in. Now, the host is warm and gracious. After taking your coat and grabbing you a drink, he starts introducing you to uh, the many different people who are gathered in his home. Everyone is incredibly friendly. Soon you're jumping in and out of conversations on your own, sort of bolstered by their friendliness. You stumble into one group where people are talking about occupations. When you mention that you work in accounting, the others light up. One mentions that his accountant has retired and is looking for someone to handle the business side of his clinic, an assisted suicide clinic. Another one has some questions about business write-offs. She owns a citywide chain of adult stores and wants to bring her merchandise onto the web. You are maybe a little shocked and start to stammer uh, when thankfully another person jumps in to talk about those write-offs. He did a business degree in finance and now works for Imperial Tobacco Marketing Vaping Products. The man next to him throws in his own thoughts, and just to prove his opinions are worthwhile, he tells the group that he's got an MBA in finance, and he's an executive with the BC Lottery Corporation. And then just before you thought it could get any stranger, that executive then introduces his cousin, an engineer who works with General Dynamics. You know something about General Dynamics. Uh, they are selling those laughs to the Saudis. Your head is spinning. You're here at a party with a doctor of death, an adult store owner with ambitions to go global, people who develop weapons and work in gambling and tobacco industries. What sort of party is this, you start to wonder. The next thing you know is... You see someone wandering around the house taking photos of the gathering. She asks your group to mug for a picture. You quickly excuse yourself from the group and leave the house without your coat. Today we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest gospel, a mere 16 chapters. It's a gospel of action. Only one extended discourse of Jesus is recorded. Mark includes 18 miracles of Jesus, about the same number as Matthew and Luke, but he has only four of Jesus' parables, compared with 18 in Matthew and 19 in Luke. It's an action gospel. 
What you might also find interesting is that in this gospel, the messiahship of Jesus is seen to be a carefully guarded secret, at least until the confession of Peter. Now, the messiahship isn't hidden from the reader. We know that from the outset, from the very first verse. And the demons Jesus encounters keep shouting out his identity. But Jesus works hard to keep everything under wraps. It seems he doesn't want all the publicity at the start of his ministry. Now, as we enter the lesson today, people in Jesus' audience would have understood Jesus to be a teacher and a healer. Earlier in the gospel, we were told that Jesus was already on the speaker's circuit, visiting various synagogues, the places where people would gather for religious instruction. We are told that he was regarded as one who spoke with authority, and that people were also bringing their sick to him. He was also understood to be a healer. Now, by the second chapter of Mark, Jesus' fame is growing. It's spreading like wildfire, and people are seeking him out outside of the synagogues. In today's lesson, the people find him while he was out at the lake, and so he begins to teach them there. It's not clear whether he was maybe teaching on the go, teaching while walking, or had finished up his lesson, but at some point, Jesus encounters a man named Levi sitting at a tax collection booth. Jesus calls Levi to join him. And just like the calling of those uh, fishing brothers, Simon and Andrew, James and John, Levi drops everything and follows. Now, for Jesus to ask Levi to join him, to become one of his disciples, is something that would raise the eyebrows of most respectable people. I mean, Levi was a tax collector a tax collector. And don't think, you know, CRA. Don't think Revenue Canada here. Um, the tax collectors were understood differently then. You'll see in the passage that the title of tax collector was often joined with, with and modified by the word sinner. Tax collectors and sinners, it's one and the same thing. Now, it wasn't so much that Levi or his colleagues in the toll booth industry were known to be notorious lawbreakers. I mean, that's sort of what we think of when we think of sinner, right? Or that they had necessarily neglected any religious obligations because back in those days, getting to the temple regularly was very important. It was more that their choice of profession, their choice of profession harmed and degraded society. Tax collectors were collaborators, They were despised for being the instruments through which the subjection of the Jews to the Roman emperor was perpetuated, right? They were collecting taxes, the chief of which went to Rome. Additionally, the way it worked in those days, they... They bidded on, they would bid on the opportunity to collect taxes, right? How would they make their profits? Well, they would add in a little bit more for themselves. So tax collectors were noted for imposing more taxes than were required, and some got rich fairly quick. 
So Jesus was really breaking cultural taboos by inviting Levi to become one of his disciples. That's one thing. But Jesus goes even further. He accepts an invitation to Levi's house. I mean, it's just like I said in the intro. You know, who, whose homes do we go to? People that we feel comfortable with, people whose values are similar to ours. We might refuse an invitation if someone doesn't sort of fit that same, what we, I guess, would regard as respectable, that mold. Well, Levi is so enthralled with Jesus that he doesn't just invite him over for a bite to eat, but invites all his friends and associates to meet with Jesus. Now, this boundary-breaking invites questions from the teachers of the law. After all, Jesus had been on the speaker's circuit, right? He was regarded as a respected teacher. He had been teaching the faithful in the synagogues. And so they asked Jesus' disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Overhearing them, Jesus responds matter-of-factly. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Tom Wright notes that Jesus' answer went to the heart of the matter. He was being obedient to a calling, and that calling was to be a kind of doctor. There's no point in the doctor only keeping company with healthy people. The doctor must associate with the sick. In the second chapter of Mark, Jesus is already breaking the mold of what it means to be a teacher. Jesus is crossing all sorts of boundaries. Now, he wasn't breaking boundaries to teach us that, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. You know, these people are good, just like us. That's today's gospel. That's not Jesus' gospel. Jesus was breaking boundaries because he knew that those people that the church of his day had rejected desperately needed God's healing and forgiveness. The church wasn't going out to meet these people, to care for these people. So Jesus was. In your bulletins, I printed an insert, green insert, with a few little diagrams on the front, well, one diagram with three pictures. This insert talks about the different circles of faithful disciples, faithful followers of Jesus. It shows the places where Christians are called to spend their time. The first circle, the close circle. Faithful disciples spend their time in this circle, the church. This is where Jesus is host. This is where we gain so many gifts and benefits from Christ. Faithful disciples also spend time in the dotted circle where we are hosts and where our Christian and non-Christian friends will mingle. And then faithful disciples also venture into the half circle. This is where we are not in charge, but we are guests and where we share God's love 
with whoever will receive it. Now, when I think about our church, I think that most of our life at St. Andrews tends to revolve around the close circle. And it's good. It's good that we enjoy spending time with each other. We do. We love each other. We gather together for worship and study and prayer. I think we also have some experience with the dotted circle. Sometimes we invite others to join us, right? We have special events. We print postcards. I say, folks, go bring your friends and neighbors. Sometimes we, uh, we will hold programs like the former reading and math camp or, or like Alpha where we'll even go out into the neighborhood and then invite others to come in and join us. Uh, we're still hosts though, right? But I'm not so sure we're comfortable with that half circle, right? That's where we are joining people that are maybe a little bit different from us, different values, different ideas. I don't think we're so comfortable joining with non-Christians in what they are doing in places where they're the boss, where they run the show. Well, do you think Jesus was? I mean, like, honestly, until I got to this lesson, I don't think I've ever asked that question of myself. Do you think Jesus was comfortable in those places? We sort of, you know, Jesus loved everyone. Of course Jesus was, right? Well, truth be told, he was more like those Pharisees, those teachers of the law. Like, he was a student of God's word. He would be comfortable with many of the norms and uh, expressions of faith that he had learned growing up, learned from Mary and Joseph. It's quite conceivable that spending the evening at Levi's home was both unfamiliar and uncomfortable. There were likely some off-colored anecdotes or jokes. The host probably forgot to say grace. Maybe some of the Levi's friends were talking about how much money they took from this person or that person. Stories of injustice. We don't know if Jesus really enjoyed such places. But we do know that Jesus believed he had to be there, just as he had to visit those synagogues. These people were sick. These people needed the life that only he could offer them. Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think that the people in our surrounding community, in the Sagebrush neighborhood, who know nothing about church, about Christianity, and I venture to say, I I saw some, some post on Facebook, I think it was Faith Today, but the percentage of Christians as defined by sort of regular worship is about 10% in our culture now, right? Do you think that the people in our surrounding community who know, know nothing about church, about Christianity, who may even be involved in activities that, I think in our view, harm society, need the life that we know here, that we found in Jesus? So how are they going to find that life? 
This week I was looking at the Young Life website. We've been sort of discussing with Young Life about the possibility of partnering with them at SKSS at the local high school, maybe through a club or through a breakfast, um, early morning breakfast. On their website, and Young Life's a, a sort of a parachurch organization, on their website, under the heading of what we do, they note this. Staff and volunteers leave their adult comfort zone and meet the teens on their turf. They leave their adult comfort zone and meet the teens on their turf. Is this an activity only for the parachurch? Or do you think that the church itself also needs to leave its comfort zone and meet people on their turf? We are here at St. Andrews. We are Jesus' presence in this community. So where are the places, what are the places that we need to be? Well, may God reveal that to us. Amen.